The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 361. We have a very special episode coming up today. But before we get into that, if you are struggling with OCD or anxiety or perhaps relationship-related anxiety and you would like to get a uh, free session with me, you can get that by heading over to my website, which is robertjamescoaching.com, and there you can book in for that free session. Or if you prefer, you can send me a message to let me know about what you're struggling with. So in today's podcast, I'm going to be speaking with Sarah Yudkin. She is the founder of You Love and You Learn and is a relationship anxiety coach who's passionate about helping people feel content, peacefully happy in their relationships. She went from feeling anxious, doubtful and uncertain in her own relationship to feeling a deep sense of commitment, fulfillment and optimism. Since then, she has helped over 1,000 people from 35 countries through online coaching, courses, and webinars. The You Love and You Learn online community consists of over 300,000 people on a journey to show up more intentionally in their relationships. If you are struggling with relationship OCD or anxiety, then obviously today's episode is exactly the kind of episode that you would like to be listening to. We cover a lot of different grounds, including uh, Sarah's story. She's spent a lot of time thinking about you know, how to to deal with relationship anxiety herself in her own relationship. Uh, She's come through a lot of challenge in that regard. And that's why she's able to kind of really offer up so much help to to other people who might be struggling with similar things. So, you know, Sarah has a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience, and uh, she's a great communicator. So I really hope that you enjoy the episode. If you have any questions at all, do please let me know. And if you'd like to find out more about Sarah, you can find all of her information in the show notes. So many thanks, guys. And off we go. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Obviously, I uh, was on your podcast, You, You Love and You Learn. Not not so not so long ago. So it's really nice to, to actually have you on as well. Yeah, I know. Our conversation I was just saying was really awesome. So if any of your listeners actually want to go check it out and hear you share some awesome wisdom, even though they already get to you on your episode or <laughs> your episodes each time. So Yeah, absolutely. I recommend that you guys check it out. So yeah, obviously you're you're a coach. You specialize in in uh, relationship anxiety. Mm-hmm. Could you give us a a little bit of background, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I am now seven years into my relationship, but for the beginning years, I had a lot of confusion and doubt over, did I love him enough? Was he the one? Should I be feeling like this? 
And my parents got divorced when I was in my early 20s. So I think if anyone comes from divorce, there's never like a good or a bad time per se. It's just like different times in your life can affect you differently. So if you're a much younger child, that might affect you differently than when you're adult. But for me, what I think happened is because I was an adult, I kind of understood why they might be separating and maybe I understood it logically and I was able to kind of rationalize it away. And then I don't think I ever really processed it or how it might affect me moving forward. And what I found was when I was about a year or so into dating my now fiance, we were getting more serious. And I was starting to ask all these questions like, well, if divorce can happen, how do I make sure I avoid that? Because that's not the outcome I want. So I need to start fixating on all these qualities about him and can I make sure that there's no incompatibilities, everything's good to go and trying to almost like perfection, perfectionize, that's not even a word, but like perfectionize my relationship so much that everything would be safe in my mind, basically. And I, of course, I didn't know that was happening. It was more subconscious, but Mm, that's when I could look back and see when my relationship anxiety was starting to form and people would always ask, oh, do you think that you're going to move in together soon? Do you think that this is the one? And I'm a people pleaser usually. So I want to have an answer for that. And I wanted to do the right thing, have the right support around me. So I wanted everyone to like my relationship. And I think a lot of those factors kind of built up to feeling very anxious and doubtful. And I'm happy to share like how that all transpired later, but I'll, I'll leave it with that to kick us off. Yeah, fantastic. That's really, really interesting. So, yeah, so obviously you've had your own your own struggles there with with relationship anxiety and perfectionism and focusing on, you know, things being a certain specific way or perhaps wanting to have a certain specific feeling of security about the relationship because of yeah. because of past events in your in your own life. Okay. And so so things started to to change at some point obviously so what what happened how how did you begin this process of of becoming more accepting in your relationship and and what what kind of kickstarted that definitely one other thing i just thought of that's kind of more background context is i'm also someone who has grown up on like romance novels and disney movies mm. and i love romantic movies rom-coms as i call you know i just it's always been something that i've been interested in and like that picture perfect happy ending and you kind of ride off into the proverbial sunset together so i can see where that also was really influencing the comparison in my relationship. And so all of this kind of came to a head in the pandemic timing. And I was so anxious, not only with the state of the world, but I had lost my job temporarily because of layoffs. And I was, you know, living with my now fiance for the first time, though, with his family. And we were all kind of like in close quarters. And it was just a lot going on in the world, Mm. of course, too. And so- A lot of my clients, I mentioned that the pandemic was a time that was very illuminating for them as far as anxiety. You're at home. You're kind of Absolutely. thinking, what do I want to do with my life? What What is this all going to look like? And so you start overthinking a lot. And so that was a really big time. And I kind of had this breakdown where I kind of confessed almost to my partner, I'm not sure I love you the same way anymore. 
And I was very upset. I was crying. It felt so scary. And we were on a walk together and we walked and we talked through it. And for whatever reason, I can't picture how I would respond to someone that said that to me. But for whatever reason, he was able to receive that from a much more neutral place than I could have ever imagined. He was like, I understand why you might feel that way. And he didn't seem to take it too personally. You know, he didn't make it all about him being a bad partner. He was just like, wow, yeah, that would be tough if things didn't work with us, but I would support whatever you decided. But I really hope we can work and I'm here and I want to support you as you're navigating this if you want to. And that's kind of when I had a light bulb moment. This isn't about him. This is about me, my own fears, Mm. my own patterns and all the things that have happened to me. And it kind of clicked initially in that moment. And that's what began my search to start understanding more about relationships. And it really started off, how can I just be better at relationships? Because the narrative in my head was, well, I just must be really bad at relationships. That's why I keep getting so anxious. So even then, it was still this like perfection-driven quest of how can I just master relationships? But what's resulted is me really understanding my own core fears, my own beliefs around love, my expectations that I was placing on myself and him. And that's kind of what ultimately kickstarted the process for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so important now that that we do actually speak up about these things and communicate with with our partners about our concerns. Because obviously, if you hadn't have done that, and maybe instead you just kind of broke up with with him in that moment you wouldn't have been able to to actually kind of go through this this process of mm-hmm. you know making these realizations and then all of the changes that kind of came after that so you know just the just the fact that you were able to communicate that to him and that he didn't take that personally you know allowed you know to be able to to actually make those changes absolutely and i think there's such a fine line between sharing every little thing with our partner versus kind of cluing them in to how we're feeling about a big topic, right? So looking back, maybe I didn't need to go about it in the exact way I did. But of course, you can't change anything in the past. I'm grateful for exactly how it happened. But I think there's ways to still communicate like, I'm really scared about love and relationships. Or for whatever reason, our relationship is really triggering me. And I have some stuff I think that's going on that probably feels a little bit less related to your partner and might result in less potential defensiveness. But I don't know your thoughts on that. I just think like you don't want to censor yourself and you don't want to feel like you're walking on eggshells. But I do think that having some level of privacy in your ROCD or relationship anxiety journey is also warranted. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I was terrible some sometimes in the past with oversharing my concerns about about my relationship and you know it got to the point of course where it was really bringing the other person down because you know it was what I spent most of my time thinking about all day every day mm-hmm. was these potential problems with the relationship and you know obviously it was it was really causing me a huge amount of anxiety and it made sense that I would share that with my partner. You know, there's there's a frustration there that that creeps in for for 
you know, for both of us in that kind of situation. And, you know, over time, you know, I learned that really that that's really not fair. First off, it's, you know, if you're going to be telling your partner all the time about these, these anxieties and these worries, which really are, as you kind of pointed out earlier, they're kind of our responsibility because it's not really coming from the other person. It's coming from us, you know? And, and so I feel when we are oversharing really what we're kind of doing is we are, you know, giving away our own personal power and we're kind of almost demanding that the other person deal with our anxiety rather than learning how to deal with it ourselves and really kind of taking that that power back is you know not oversharing obviously sometimes of course if you if there's a big thing that needs to be shared absolutely like like the thing that you shared with your partner that didn't sound at all like you know an obsessive compulsive kind of action that was more something that was coming from your heart something that you'd clearly thought about you know a lot and you recognize that you need to, to to kind of air it. That's very different from a relationship OCD compulsion, you know, which is quite yeah, typically there all the time and you're kind of doing it all the time. So I think there's a big difference between the two of those. Absolutely. And I think it can be it can be really difficult to do this, which I acknowledge fully, but I also think if there's any ability to slow down and check in with yourself first of what is the intention behind sharing something, Mm. because a conversation like that can be very connecting. It can help your partner understand you more and it can give you a chance to be vulnerable and share something like you said on your heart. Mm. Or on the opposite end, it can be this expectation and I want them to fix my feelings or I want them to validate that what I'm feeling is okay in order for me to feel okay about it. So there's, again, just that really fine line that can be hard to interrupt if you're in the discomfort of the feelings. So I want to honor that for anyone listening, that it can be really uncomfortable. But when I share something now with my partner, I try to make sure it's from an intentional connected place and just slow down a little bit before I make the decision to bring it up. Absolutely. Okay. And and so so then you went on to to obviously develop your your relationship and it seems like today you're you're in a much better place with it, no? You uh you're engaged. You just mentioned. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so so what were the kind of the most important kind of changes that you think that you you made in order for your your relationship to to really improve for sure so some of it for me was simply coming across different information because at the time i didn't really ever know that there were people experiencing relationship ocd relationship anxiety and so coming across a community online, like seeing people talk about it. It was only like a few people, a few resources. I read this great book called The Wisdom of Anxiety by Cheryl Paul, and she talks about relationship anxiety in a couple of chapters. And my mind just opened up like, oh, this is something that 
makes sense. I thought that it was just like a fault of mine or something I had to fix, but I can see why this would happen. So that was really important for me, not only to understand the patterns that lead to ROCD relationship anxiety, but also learning more about relationships in general. I think that I needed a peek behind the curtain at how I'll put this word in air quotes, like normal relationships operate. For example, the Gottman Institute, they have so much research around relationships and a statistic that I came across really early in my initial inquiry for relationships said 69% of relational challenges or problems are perpetual due to personality differences. Mm. So all couples are going to have these recurring problems that are maybe like, you're always running late, I'm always on time, or you are much more relaxed about something, I'm much more organized. And that doesn't mean that your relationship is bad or wrong. And so initially, those pieces of information were enough to kind of open up my perspective enough to keep wanting to learn more. Yeah, And I think it's really important if someone feels like they don't understand how anxiety works, how relationships, I guess, quote, work, not that there's rules, but yeah. to start the process by learning and, and opening up your perspectives just to see what resonates with you. But then since then, there's been much more about like my own personal practices with both body-based tools and also mindset-based tools that I can get into. But just want to stop there for a second because I don't know how you have found in your own experience, but new information can be just like a game changer and really pivot your direction. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's what it's all about sometimes. It's just when you get some new information that you haven't heard before, like that, as you mentioned there, 69% of relationships struggle with this th these differences in personality. I mean, I hadn't heard that before. But I can absolutely see that that's true from my own experience of relationships and my uh, my friends and their relationships. You know, after the honeymoon phase is over, and you know, suddenly you're you're left with this situation where you're still maybe kind of happy in the relationship, but it's not as exciting as it was before. And now suddenly this person has a whole collection of behaviors that you actually find quite annoying. You know, should you break up with them or not? And, you know, I think really most of the time we don't actually need to break up with them at all. Um, interestingly, you know, Though, if we can actually find a way to to manage those differences, then you know the the relationship actually may may function completely well. So, yeah, new information is is essential. So, what what were some of the the kind of body focused and mind focused tools that you were mentioning there? Yeah, so I had not necessarily before this time spent too much energy learning how to breathe properly. Mm. And it sounds so silly because we always breathe every day, right? Like I wouldn't be here talking to you if I couldn't breathe. But I feel like a lot of my life has been spent maybe in like more shallow breathing. And I didn't even really understand that I was doing that. And over the last, you know, three to four years, I've learned a lot of different types of just breathing techniques as basic as just box breathing with the inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, things like that. 
all the way to experimenting with longer form breath work, like 30 minutes at a time, where you're just getting into almost a flow state by taking deep breaths in and out of either the nose or the mouth and alternate nostril breathing. Like those are only a few different examples, but I've just really made it a point to slow down and take time to tune into my breath when I need to and not to fix my feelings. That's an important nuance. Something you talked about in our episode together was that when you have discomfort, it's only natural to want to fix it. Mm. And meditation or breath work or an ice bath or anything can be used to try to fix your feelings or to get into a different state because what you have right now is bad. Mm. But they can also be a really powerful tool to just like get present and come back to your body. And so the way that you use tools like breath or movement or anything is also really important. And it's more now for me as like a gift to myself versus trying to fix myself. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, I really love that. And yeah, I completely, completely agree. So often we're thinking about that future state that we really want to have or that just right feeling that the relationship should provide for us and if it's if it's not then you know it can't be the the right the right relationship and sometimes yeah sometimes we're actually doing things in order to find the cure you know and and oftentimes there isn't a cure out there it's just we've really got to learn how to to feel what we're feeling and to be more present to that and more accepting to that and over time you come to realize well actually maybe that is the cure in itself it's not actually something external to me that i need to grasp or i need to find it's not the perfect relationship that's going to be out there that i can find that will that will kind of fix me and make me feel better as you mentioned at the start it's actually about looking inside slowing down and paying attention to to kind of what you're feeling you know interestingly for me the ice bath is a, is a kind of way of doing that as well it does make you feel better but also initially it makes you feel quite a lot worse but you can pay attention to that and and that can teach you something as well so okay yeah so so all of this obviously this kind of led to the name you you love and you learn no is Yeah, funny. So actually, when I was brainstorming, I was at the very start, I just said, let me just write a blog to document my journey. I never necessarily set out to create what I've created and, you know, create a community of so many people that are resonating with the message. It was more like, let me share my story. Let me share what I'm learning. And other people might be able to learn with me. And I had come up with the name Lessons in Love. And my fiance, Nate, actually, he was like, what about you love and you learn? And I was like, that sounds so much better and is way more of what I actually am trying to get across because I love learning and I wanted to learn more about love. And I think that it's a beautiful intention for people to set to learn more about love, not necessarily needing to have all the answers not necessarily needing to get it right, but just to keep learning. Mm. And so that's kind of something that I bring into my own life. And of course, my relationship as well is trying just to to keep learning and staying open 
to how it can evolve, but it's taken time, of course, to get there. I used to be wanting to get everything right, and I still have my moments of doing that and wanting it to be all perfect, but I think learning versus getting it right is a much different energy and intention. Absolutely. And it's very much fixed on a, a kind of growth mindset, you No, know, actually looking at what can I be doing in my relationship on a day-to-day basis to to help it to flourish and to you know, rather than kind of thinking that, well, if it's the right relationship, then it's just going to flourish anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Growth and fixed mindset, I think is actually something that maybe doesn't get talked about as often in like the relationship anxiety or ROCD or anxiety OCD space as it could. But I Mm. think it's a pretty important piece of the puzzle, which is that if you're in a more anxious or OCD type mindset or if you're experiencing that then it's easy to see your relationship as fixed like i have to either break up with them or they're my the love of my life and it's so black or white which i've again got caught in so much and i know it's a very common symptom for those who experience ocd and anxiety so there's no judgment about it but that is the pretty much definition of a fixed mindset that it's either going to be good or bad, right or wrong. This quality yeah. I can either accept or I can't versus how can I practice changing my relationship or how can I be open to growth and evolution? It's not going to just stay exactly how it is forever. Yeah, absolutely. That's I completely agree. Okay. And how would you how would you define relationship anxiety? So I personally think, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I feel like relationship OCD and relationship anxiety are cousins, if not siblings. Like they're definitely related. They're definitely in the same family. But of course, you know, there's slightly different nuances of how someone might experience OCD versus anxiety. But for my experience of relationship anxiety, it was constantly doubting if I'm in the right relationship and feeling a lot of anxiety and pressure and stress over trying to figure it out, basically. So that would come out in the form of intrusive thoughts like, you don't love him enough, or you know, you shouldn't be in this relationship. What are you doing? You're a bad partner, uh, and kind of constantly thinking or trying to answer questions. Is this a red flag? Will I be attracted to him enough in my life? What if we get a divorce? Things like that. But then also yeah. I would experience the physical sensations, like my throat would tighten up if I heard about someone breaking up or my stomach might lurch if I saw, you know, a celebrity couple get a divorce, things like that. And I would really feel very, you know, heavily in my body if there was any sort of trigger that could make me feel like my relationship might not be right. Or if the fear was coming up, I could feel it Mm. pretty consistently in the body as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, my my parents are still together, but I also had this fear of kind of divorce. I would always be thinking about that, like literally within within weeks of starting to date somebody. Mm. You know, I start thinking, would I would I actually stay with this person? What if we got married and would we get a divorce? And it's it's a bizarre thing, even at a young age. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that, so it's it's interesting. But yeah, I I really agree with you. I think you know the 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 things that you've just pointed out that are very very similar to you know the symptoms that that people experience with relationship OCD, looking for certainty, wanting to make sure they're not going to make a mistake, 
feeling trapped, often feeling guilt or shame about the thoughts that they're having, not wanting to to maybe stay in a relationship because maybe they don't want to hurt the other person, all, all sorts of things. But it's very, very similar. Maybe if it moves into actual relationship OCD, maybe the amount of time that people spend on it, perhaps that increases, but it's, it's very, very similar. So that's, um, that, that's interesting. Is, is kind of relationship anxiety though, is it something that, that everyone experiences? Do you think? Mm, I love this question. I don't, I think that it's normal to have questions about if you want to spend your life with somebody. I'll say that. Like, I think that even though I don't love the word normal, I think it's very common and totally understandable that somebody would have questions where I think it crosses over into relationship anxiety or RCD like you've kind of shared is when it becomes obsessive or when it feels like it's all you can think about or you're constantly feeling the weight of the anxiety. And so I don't know if I would say that everybody has it. I think some people, for whatever reason, lean towards more secure attachment in the way that they relate to other people. And secure attachment doesn't mean like these people are better. And if you have anxious or avoidant (laughs) attachment, you're worse. It's just that you have a different way that you've been raised and a different way that you've seen the world. So maybe a past relationship was really hard for you, whatever it is. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that everybody has relationship anxiety in the way that I have experienced it. But I say most people have normal relationship questions, or maybe they've considered wanting to spend their life with somebody before making the choice. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think it's the degree to which you are agonizing over these questions, you know, and agonizing is is perhaps the right word because it's not just, oh, I'm just casually kind of worrying a little bit about the relationship and maybe I'm going to speak to my friend about it, you know, later, later today over a coffee or a glass of wine, whatever. It no 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 no. It's like every time you see your friends, you're just asking for their for their reassurance. You're thinking about it all day. You're, you know, you're winding up the the people close to you because it's all you speak about. <laughs> For sure. You know? And I actually have a funny story about this with like a difference of how maybe someone might experience anxiety or OCD versus not. One of my clients, her friend said something like, yeah, I probably could have married someone funnier. And then they just like moved on and kept going in the conversation. Whereas my client was like, oh, if I had that thought, I would have been like dissecting it for weeks and like, wait, what would my life look like if I'm not with someone who's funny enough and just like the whole nine yards. And I think that might be the difference between someone with relationship anxiety versus not is that they can have a thought about their relationship being imperfect without trying to assign a meaning to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's having that flexibility to to recognize okay yeah this this person isn't completely perfect but actually i can still be happy in this relationship with them and being able to move on from any potential triggers without going down that 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 rabbit hole so yeah yeah interesting so for people who are listening who might struggle with 
relationship anxiety, ROCD. From your experience, is there a kind of particular kind of type of qualities, perhaps? I mean, we're generalizing a little bit, but are there particular qualities that perhaps somebody who struggles with anxiety in relationships that they should be looking for in the people that they date? Mm, that's a really good question. I'll say before this that I don't necessarily think there's only like, like you said, a generalization of exact types of people that can make it work. As long as both people in a relationship are willing and open to growth mm. together, then I think that you can be with most types of people. But that said, I have found that a lot of my clients have similar qualities where what I said earlier about Nate, you know, their partner is maybe not taking their anxiety as personally, like they're able to kind of have a little bit of space between the anxiety versus it being the ultimate truth. They're able to kind of stabilize their partner a bit and perhaps their partner is their complement in many ways. So I think a lot of times if you experience relationship anxiety, you might be scanning your partner to see, are we similar enough? Like, are we too different? But actually differences can be really complementary. So I'm a little bit more type A and Nate can be very like organized, but he's also relaxed in many ways too. So that can be a beautiful thing. But also, like you said, when the honeymoon phase wears off, sometimes those opposing qualities can make you question things. But if you're able to see complementary pieces as the yin to the yang type metaphor, then that can be really beautiful to look for, for someone who's experiencing relationship anxiety. So again, you can make it work with someone who's open and willing to grow, I would say is like really important, but that's what I've found as a pattern. Yeah. And I think these kinds of problems are, are also a kind of spectrum now. So with OCD yep. these days, it's more and more being called a kind of spectrum disorder, although I don't like the word disorder, mm. you know, and, and so depending on where you are on that spectrum and, and how, how difficult you find being in a relationship, you know, you may, you may benefit from, you know, having somebody who's a bit more secure in their attachment style but as you just pointed out, you know, it may not be absolutely necessary. You know, it really, it really depends if, if both people are really willing to grow, then perhaps that that's the most important thing. So definitely. Yeah. And you've probably heard examples of people who might consider themselves more in that anxious avoidant dynamic mm. who have both learned to become more secure through being in a relationship, but there's probably extreme ends of the anxious avoidant relationship that are just not going to work because you're always pushing each other into the triggers. So it has to be personal responsibility on your end to work through the anxiety or OCD or to manage it. And it's not your partner's job to stabilize you. But of course, if they are more secure and have more secure patterns, yeah, then that could not... be a natural, yeah, that could be a natural <laughs> way to help support you. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. And uh, so I'm just thinking about how that relates to my relationship, but <laughs> as we, as we do in podcast interviews. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that kind of leads in as well to my next question, which is, you know, if if people are in a relationship and they're struggling, 
they're not sure whether they should kind of walk away or not from from a relationship what are some kind of telltale signs that that you should kind of walk away do you think yeah it's a great question because i get i don't know if you get asked this too but sometimes people will say well how do you know if relationship anxiety and rcd like if if you're just using that as an excuse to stay basically in a situation and for me i always encourage anyone in my community or clients like to feel like they are in a safe relationship and that word safe can look different for different people but to me safety means making sure that you feel like you can be yourself you don't have to put on a performance for this person because it's safe to be who you are you're not of course in any sort of dangerous situation you're able to show up and and learn and grow and so if the opposite of safe would be unsafe i think for me that's when someone is judgmental or critical of anxiety you know that's going to be a really hard relationship to mm. feel supported in yeah if the person you're with doesn't understand maybe they don't need to understand exactly how you feel but at least just being open to it and not necessarily saying oh this this you can't have anxiety or you can't have anxious days because that feels so stressful then to you to be perfect and not be anxious and it does the opposite effect so that's one of the big things i think to be mindful of is Maybe you don't want to bring your anxiety to the relationship 24-7 like we talked about earlier. But when you do, can your partner at least be open and receptive? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Are they accepting of the fact that you you do struggle with anxiety? Yeah. As as you pointed out, if they're not, that's an extra pressure for you. And that's only likely to to increase your anxiety. Yeah. And one thing too is I think, you know. I'll only speak for my personal experience, but Nate has said comments to me before that were out of the purest of hearts and out of a loving place where he said, I just love when you're happy or things like that, you know, and because he does like he wants to make sure I'm feeling happy and support me and things like that. But if you're in an anxious place and you hear that, it might feel like, oh, I need to be happier more or things like that. And so, yeah. If your partner is not necessarily always saying the perfect thing, it's like as long as the intention is there and you trust that like this person genuinely does care and support you, maybe they might not always say the perfect thing and it doesn't mean that they need you to change and never have anxiety. But I, I just know like Nate loves when I'm in a loving, caring, open-hearted place and I love it when he's in that place too, but it doesn't mean that like you have to be there all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I really agree. I think that's very important. Okay. And if you if you only kind of had one piece of advice for people who who might really be struggling with relationship OCD and anxiety, they're they're not sure what to do, they're feeling trapped. What would that advice be? Just one. Oof. Just one will be, of course, leaving out some other great pieces, but this is something we haven't brought up yet, but I think has been such a pivotal part of my journey is bringing more self-compassion in mm -hmm. because I used to be so hard on myself. I can't believe I'm so anxious. Why would Nate want to be with me? I'm such a bad partner for thinking and feeling this way. And it created so much shame, so much judgment. It's like, 
I usually give this analogy or like I give this visual with my clients. It's like you're punching your fists against each other. It's like anxiety versus you inside and you're resisting all of the feelings and thoughts so deeply. Mm. And what has been really important for me is to bring in more self-compassion, which is basically treating myself like I would someone I love and care about. Mm. Such a revolutionary idea that you actually can be, you know, <laughs> loving towards yourself, right? It's it's reminding yourself of your humanity, like other people experience anxiety, other people experience relationship anxiety. I'm not alone in this. Mm. And also just bringing like a more mindful approach to what's going on. It's like if I'm having an anxious day, like allowing that to just be an anxious day without it being like, oh my gosh, my whole life is going to be anxious or the last two years I've been anxious. So, you know, it must get worse. So those are the three pillars of self-compassion that Kristen Neff talks about. And she has a really great TED talk on self-compassion if anyone has not watched it before. So that has been a really huge practice for me because without it, like you're just at war with yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Self-compassion is something I always speak about when it comes to, to OCD in general, because really when we are in the kind of OCD mindset, which you kind of pointed out earlier as a kind of fixed set, fixed mindset, we are not allowing, you know, our emotions to be there. We're not allowing uncertainty. We're not allowing ourselves to feel like sometimes maybe I feel like this relationship, you know, is not going well today. Well, you know, we don't allow that. We don't allow anything that isn't positive. And unfortunately, when you get into that mindset of wanting everything to be perfect all the time, wanting to have that just right feeling about the relationship all the time, really, that's that's kind of one of the least self-compassionate things that you can do for yourself because you're demanding that you you always be a certain way, that you're not allowed to have difficult emotions. You know, and unfortunately, difficult emotions are going to happen they're inevitable you know if we demand from ourselves and from other people you know that that everything be perfect all the time you know we're going to to be literally causing ourselves so many problems and you know it's unnecessary unfortunately though self-compassion is just not something that we're very good at in the west i agree we seem to really struggle no yeah, I think it is really tough because when you're compassionate with yourself, I think a lot of people think of self-compassion as like giving up or like you're not trying anymore. Like if I'm so compassionate with myself, then maybe this anxiety will always stay or it will get worse because I'm not working on it. But for me, I found the opposite is true that when I'm able to give myself more compassion or grace or understanding that it has helped me. And it's like, if my best friend came to me and they were like, I'm having a really hard time and I'm scared, I wouldn't be like, well, why are you feeling that way? Like you suck. You're such a bad person. I would be like, oh my gosh, that sounds really hard. I get why you would feel that way. That's scary. Yeah. But when I was doing it to myself, I would say all of those critical negative things. So it's a practice. It's not easy. But if you just catch yourself being judgmental, you can always add an extra layer of compassion. Like, oops, I was really judgmental, but like, 
I I guess that's an old pattern of mine. Like I'll just keep practicing. You can just always add self-compassion no matter what you just did. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. The inner critic tends to be very strong when we're struggling with anxiety. And so recognizing yeah. that and bringing compassion to that, yeah, it really, really does help. So definitely. Fantastic. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. If people want to, to find out more about you, your work, your podcast, what can they do and where, where can they go? Yeah. So you love and you learn is my name pretty much everywhere. So my website, you love and you learn.com has my podcast. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at you love and you learn as well. And yeah, you love and you learn podcast. Like you said earlier, your episode was, I believe, number 52. So everyone go check that one out first because it's a great one. Fantastic. Okay. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you and maybe we can do this again at some point. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you. Just a quick reminder that if you want to get a free session, all you need to do to get that is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And there you can leave me a message and we can arrange the uh, free session. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional.